What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? What are you really hungry for? And on Sunday, we looked at being hungry for real food. But I want to bring something to you, which is the kind of message that I can't really bring on a Sunday morning um, because it just isn't kind of appropriate. It's kind of like that more in-house message for those of us uh, that are part of the church and are Christians. Uh, but, but it's really burning in my heart. So I, I don't know whether I probably won't get it all out tonight, but I'll, I'll try and do my best. But one of the things, the word that I am really hungry for, and I've been hungry for this word for a long time, uh, is... Is the word momentum. I'm really hungry for spiritual momentum. And when you think about the word momentum, the dictionary defines momentum as the quantity of motion of a moving body. <laughs> Interestingly, measured as a product of its mass and velocity, the impetus gained by a moving object. Mom the momentum equation is momentum equals mass times velocity. In other words, the greater the mass and the faster it's moving, the greater the momentum. And so you can see something that's quite small and quite slow moving, but as it gathers speed, so it gathers momentum. And if it's like a, a snowball, do you remember if you're out with, with the kids and stuff and you're making a snowman or you're down a hill and you're making a snowball and the mass grows as, as the snow you know, picks up on the, on, on, the, on the ball of snow, the snowball, and, and not only as the mass grows and the momentum grows and, and the velocity grows, so the momentum grows, doesn't it? And it can do damage uh, when momentum grows. Momentum is a moving force that overcomes resistance. Momentum is a moving force that overcomes resistance. And here's some of my thoughts about this. Thoughts have momentum. You get a little thought in your head and it's a little thought. And it's a slow thought. But then it becomes a bigger thought and a faster moving thought. And before you know where you are, that thought has overcome resistance either positively or negatively. Thoughts have momentum. Behaviours have momentum as well. Relationships have momentum. Are we going anywhere? Is this relationship going anywhere? They have momentum, don't they? Or they don't. They lose momentum or they gain momentum. Sometimes, have you noticed that everything in life seems to be going great and you're on a roll? Momentum. Sometimes everything is going pear-shaped and it never rains but it pours and it feels like momentum but in the negative sense. But what, but what about spiritual momentum? What about spiritual momentum? That's what I want us to think about. And so I want you to picture this young guy, David, who's running, literally running towards the giant Goliath. He's got momentum, hasn't he? Picks up five stones in a brook and he's heading to this giant, the giant who's intimidated the whole army of Israel. But this young guy has just got his faith and his God, but he's running to it and he's overcoming momentum and he's got momentum. And that momentum overcomes resistance. And not only does it change his life, it changes the life of a nation and the, and the history of the world. That's momentum. Jonah who preaches in Nineveh and the whole city repent and put their trust in God. That's momentum. John the Baptist who's in the desert speaking and one by one people give their lives to God. And then their one by one becomes a group, becomes a crowd, becomes a movement. Momentum. And then the early church, the Bible says that Jesus told the early church to go and wait in Jerusalem to be filled with the Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes on them. And the Bible says 3,000 were added to their number on that day. And then a few verses later, it says, and as that early church began to grow, every day the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The early church had momentum. And then I love this passage of scripture in John chapter 10. Jesus says in verse 31, again, his Jewish oppo opponents picked up stones to stone him. 
But Jesus said to them, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We're not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. Jesus is in this place and there's nothing happening spiritually. In fact, the, the religious people are picking up stones to stone him. There's nothing, there's no spiritual momentum. So the Bible says that he walks and he crosses over the Jordan and then he picks it up a few verses later. Then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. There he stayed and many people came to him. They said, though John never performed a sign, all that John said about this man was true. And listen, and in that place, many believed in Jesus. So in that place, nobody's coming to faith. There's no spiritual momentum. But in that place, many people believed in Jesus. In that place, there was spiritual momentum. Here's my cry. Why can't this place be that place? Amen. Why can't this place be that place? Why can't this be the place where many people come to put their faith in Jesus? Because it happens for Jesus, there was something going on in that geography and in that place, in that people, where even the Son of God could do nothing because nothing was happening. And yet he crossed over the Jordan into another place and people are coming to him left, right and centre. There's something about momentum. And for me, if we're hungry for momentum, we've got to understand what momentum's about. And I want to just give you very briefly, because then we're going to pray and we're going to Ask God to come and maybe to pray for some of us tonight and pray for some situations. What are some momentum busters and what are some momentum builders? Okay, so what are some things that stop spiritual momentum and what are some things that uh, cause spiritual momentum in an individual and in a corporate sense, in, in a church, in a group of people? I think one of the biggest momentum busters is definitely apathy. When we get apathetic, there's no spiritual momentum. One of the saddest verses in the Bible is, is from the book of Judges. Uh, you know, you know, if you know your Bible history, um, uh, the Moses brings all the people out of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. Joshua takes over. It's all glory. It's all fantastic. And then it says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who, who knew neither the Lord nor what he'd done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, the, the foreign gods. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt. They grew up apathetic. They just let go of the great things that God had done for them. When you begin to do that, you lose your spiritual momentum. And twinned with that is the second buster, which is complacency. You know, and often complacency can come before apathy sometimes, but they're, they're very closely linked. When we get complacent, we stop the spiritual momentum. And um, I think that happens when we forget the why, when we forget what we're about, when we forget who we are. Do you know, I want to say something tonight. I am so glad that this church has not forgotten the why. I'm so glad. In 1981, okay, the church started in 1979 with a small group of people. In 1981, got our first building called the Zion Methodist Chapel. Very soon, that building grew. And some of you are still here from those days, which is amazing. And 100, 120, 130, 140 people were rammed in that little building and there were people hanging out the balcony and it was full every week. And yet the church didn't get complacent and didn't stop just because the church was full. So 150 people bought the old the building next door, that massive building, 66,000 square feet, in 1986. It was completely empty and derelict, and they weren't complacent, and they weren't apathetic, and they took a massive leap of faith, and they moved into that building because they wanted to reach more people for Jesus. And if they hadn't have done that, some of us wouldn't have been here tonight. Some of us wouldn't know God. 
And they did that because they were in momentum. And now, and 10 years ago, we were full next door in, two, in, in our second service specifically. And, and it was great. And we were in a great season a few years ago. But we didn't get complacent. And we didn't say, do you know what? We're full and we're doing really great. So let's just stay as we are. We didn't do that. So we bought four buildings and a massive big debt. And 10 years of real challenge and frustration and all of that. But aren't you glad that we did that? Because 18 months ago when we had a fire, we'd have had no building to come to if we didn't have the faith to do what we did 10 years ago. Because we're not going to get complacent. We're not going to get apathetic. Because if we do, that kills momentum. And you know, I'm so glad that when we got to that point where we were ready to refurbish next door, then we had the fire and then we moved into this building. And in six weeks time, we're going to go multi-site. When we don't have to, because things are going great here. But we want, we want to do that because we want to keep growing, don't we? We're hungry for momentum. We're hungry for more of what God could do. And I think it's so important that we don't get complacent. And when you get complacent in your own spiritual walk, that's when apathy comes and complacency comes. And before you know where you are, there's no momentum. There's no momentum. Nothing's happening. And you don't stay as you are. What you do is you drift back. You drift back. I think one of the other busters is mindset. One of the biggest battles we'll ever face is in our heads. Paul says in Romans 12, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. Could you, Tim, would you do me a favour and just pull that flip chart across? Thanks, mate. Let me just show you quickly some things. There's a leadership stuff, but I think it's so important for all of us to get a hold of some of this. There are, the Bible talks about old and new mindsets. Thank you, mate. That's great. Fantastic. No, that's fine there. Thank you. Old and new mindsets. So let me give you an example, okay? An old mindset is something like this. All right? And you can apply this in your work or wherever. Our people won't whatever. You can fill in the blank, okay? Our people won't whatever. That's an old mindset, okay? Our people won't whatever. Fill in the blank. Ten years ago, when we launched the, 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 the third place vision and buying big buildings... I had to summon up a lot of courage and ask many of you guys to give a lot of money, which I'd never done before. I don't particularly like doing that. Or I don't particularly get up out of bed every morning or something and say, great, I can go and talk before everyone and say, give us all your money. Don't particularly like that. I had to dig really deep. I had to go away. I had to get with God. I had to deal with some stuff in my own life. Because in my head, I'd got this old mindset, our people won't sacrificially give. That was in my mind 10 years ago. Why? Because we'd never really done it to the extent in which we were asking you to do it 10 years ago. I'd have actually said, not really. I know we, you did it a lot in the early days, but if you look at the size of that compared to the size of what you've done in the last few years, we didn't. But that's an old mindset. A new mindset is, is, is basically this. It's not our people won't, is that we haven't led our people to sacrificially give. You see what I mean? An old mindset is our people won't. You can apply this anywhere. But a new mindset is we haven't actually led our people to. It's a leadership issue. And when we began to do that 10 years ago, look at what you guys have done. Look at what we've done. Twice we've given nearly a million pounds, which is phenomenal for a church of our size, over and above what we ordinarily give in our offerings. That's amazing. Another old mindset is we can't hurt people's feelings. That's an old mindset in church leadership, okay? Whatever we do, we can't hurt people's feelings. That is an old mindset, okay? But a new mindset 
is, do you know what? We can't abandon the mission for the sake of people's feelings. It's not that we don't care about people's feelings, but we care about the mission more. Because if we don't care about the mission, then what we're saying is we don't care about people who are lost, who really matter to God. And so we may hurt people's feelings, not intentionally, but that's why issues like music and style and approach and all these things become contentious things in church. And what we do often is we back away because we think we can't hurt people's feelings. But actually we say, no, we can't abandon the mission. So that might mean that we step on some people's feelings from time to time. But the mission is so, so important. And I think another old mindset is this. We can't because we don't. We can't blank because we don't blank. A new mindset is we can because we don't. Are you with me? Let me explain. We can't reach people because we don't have a big building is what we used to think. Now, we don't have a big building, but we can reach people because we'll do it differently. It's a new mindset. And I think the journey that we've been on is so exciting because what God has been doing is that he's been leading us out of our great heart and a motivation to reach people. And he's been leading us on all kinds of detours. And we thought the destination was here, but God said, but I've got a different path for you. And it's the same journey, but just a different route. And so what I want to say is one of the busters in, in this whole thing is when we get into old mindsets, we need to stay fresh, folks. We need to stay fresh and new in our mindset. Let me quickly give you some momentum builders. What builds momentum? What are some of the things that God is drawn towards for spiritual momentum? Firstly, hunger. Hunger. What we looked at on, on Sunday, if you've got the, the, the card for Lent, you know, this verse, this scripture here from Psalm 63, where David hungers for God. If you weren't here Sunday, I'd really encourage you to get the talk. And Laura's going to be speaking this week, and I'm sure she'll build on this and take it in different directions. But it all starts with our hunger for Him. And then what I said is these seven things to think about through Lent. You know, how's your spiritual hunger? You know, because God is drawn to hunger. He really is. So do you miss it? Do you remember it if you've lost it? It's, oh yeah, I used to have it and I miss it. Would you pray for it? Could you catch it by being around people who've got it? Would you, would you act on it? And then could you receive it? Will you feed it? Will you do all these things to feed the hunger that is within you? So God is drawn to hunger. That builds momentum. The second thing that I think is a momentum builder is movement. There's something I think that God is drawn to when it comes to movement. It's like, it's like he's kind of attracted to people who are moving with him. And there's a little bit of a tension here because Moses said, Lord, don't send us up from here unless your presence goes with us. Uh, and we love that verse, many of us. And many of us quote that verse as if we ain't moving. But here's the thing. Jesus said, go into all the world and I will be what? With you. Listen, his presence now is guaranteed with us. How green do we want the light to be? You ever come up, to, up the Hagley Hill from Stourbridge, from Pedmore? Ever been up that way? If you come up from Pedmore to the lights and there's a little filter left where there's a green light, how many times have you honked your horn behind someone? I, I do it a lot, don't I, darling? A lot. Because the light goes green, but every other light goes red, but the filter left goes green and we stay behind it. And, I, and, and the first, years ago when I, when I thought about this, I remembered that, being at that light there and honking my horn so many times. And then the next few, next, a couple of weeks later, being the one <laughs> that was honked at because I was like in a daze and the light had gone green. And it's like sometimes God says, how green do you want the light to be? Why don't, listen, I think God's drawn to movement. I don't know whether Hagley will be a roaring success. I don't know whether this will happen or that will happen. I don't know. But I think we're stirred by the Spirit of God and we're hungry for momentum, so we're going to move. Yeah. 
Amen. We're going to move because God is drawn to movement. God isn't drawn to perfection. Do you know what I mean? Because none of us have got that. God isn't drawn to us getting every single thing right. God is drawn to movement with a good heart and a good motivation. And so we're drawn to movement and God is drawn to movement. Abraham, the Bible says, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Paul in Acts chapter 16 wanted to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus stopped him. (laughs) The Spirit of Jesus stopped him. And then he got that call from the man from Macedonia. So he was moving and God redirected him because it's easier to redirect a ship that's moving than one that's static. And so hunger and and, and movement are some of the things that build momentum. The third thing is faith. And faith is often spelled R-I-S-K, isn't it? When we risk for God and when we step out for God, there's something that is, that, that I think the heart of God is drawn towards risk. You know, Apple say that the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world usually do. And we are crazy, aren't we? Aren't we? Both of us. Because we're crazy enough to think that we can start a church in a place called Hagley, sleepy villagey Hagley, and loads and loads of people are going to come to faith. We're crazy enough to believe that that could happen. It's risk. It's faith. But God is drawn to that. We're crazy enough to think that hundreds and thousands of children and young people are going to meet Jesus in these days. We're crazy enough to think that. And in fact, we're joining with lots of other people around the area who are also crazy enough to believe that. And we're partnering with a a national initiative called the Higher Tour, which is the Message Trust in Manchester. And next year is going to be some incredible stuff happening across the area. Incredible stuff happening. And Andy's involved a lot in that. And we're partnering with that as a church. And you'll hear more about that in the future. Because we're crazy enough to think that in this secular really confused society. There still is a spiritual hunger in the hearts and lives of children and young people. And we're crazy enough to think that maybe we could change a generation for Jesus. Maybe we could do that. It's a risk. Who knows whether we will or not, but we've got movement and we've got hunger and we've got risk. And finally, we've got to have oneness. We've got to have oneness if we're going to see momentum come. And listen, folks, the next six weeks, listen, are absolutely crucial for the life of this church. If there's one thing that the enemy would do to disrupt what what I think God has put in our hearts to do, it would be to break us up. It would be to break us up relationally. And and you know, (laughs) breakthrough is is often fiercest at the, sorry, resistance is often fiercest at the edge of a breakthrough, a guy called Steve Furtick says. And when you come to that edge of a breakthrough, that's often where the resistance is the fiercest. Six weeks out from the biggest season in our church is the prime opportunity for relational breakdown. But we're not going to let it happen, are we? Are we? Because what God is doing in us is way, way, way too important for that. And if we want to see momentum, not only do we need hunger, not only do we need movement, not only do we need faith, which is spelled R-A-S-K, but we also need oneness. Note, I didn't say unity. Oneness is a whole different deal than unity. Oneness is about operating as one. Jesus said, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message that all of them may be one as you and me are one. That's what Jesus prayed. Not that we will be unified like on the same page. Well, that's good. But he prayed that we would be one. And that's a whole different level of depth. You know, in Genesis, I love this verse. I've said it many times. In Genesis 11, when these guys are trying to build a tower up to heaven from a wrong motive. 
and everything's wrong about it. But, but the Lord says, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. The power of oneness. And I thought about this um, this last couple of days. And oneness is where we act and behave as one. And I had this phrase where we lock shields rather than lock horns. You know, if you look in the Gladiator movie, you know, when Maximus, I nearly said Glutimus Maximus. That's a whole different thing, isn't it? When Max, <laughs> I used to have one of them. When Maximus was in, was in the middle of the, uh, in the arena and, and, and uh, all of the, uh, they unleashed all of these animals and, 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 and gladiators and he just gathered the guys together and he says, just stay together. Whatever comes out of the gates, stick together. And if you watch any of these old Viking films or Roman films, the whole lock shield thing, let's lock shields rather than lock horns. That's when you get those two mountain goats that are on the path and one's going up and one's going down and they just lock horns. Church is full of people who lock horns. Wouldn't it be beautiful if we were a group of people that chose not to lock horns, but instead we're going to lock shields because we've got each other's back and we've got an enemy which is there, not here. Yeah? And so we're going to act and behave as one. Secondly, oneness is where we carry weight as one. Imagine if every single one of us could invite one person on Easter Sunday who made a commitment in the next year or so to follow Jesus. Wouldn't that be phenomenal? Tell you what it would be. It would be revival. That's what we think it was when we were in it. We think we were like when Jesus crossed over the Jordan and it said in that place, many came to believe in him. That's what it would be like. If every single one of us said, you know what, I'm going to pray and think and, and pluck up the courage. And I'm going to invite some people. And maybe over the next 12 months, one person through my life could come into relationship with Jesus. If every one of us did that, we'd double and we would begin to get momentum, spiritual momentum. And uh, oneness is where we refuse to let gaps come between us. Assumptions, suspicions, all of that kind of stuff. Let me just say, I'm, I'm drawing to a close. Over the next six weeks, as we start our first location, we're going to need oneness. Because whether you're involved in Hagley or not, you're involved. Because we're one church in two locations. And we need to act like that. And we need to operate like that. And so we're going to pray tonight for those guys and girls who are going to be in that Hagley launch team. Because they're part of us. Okay? You may never venture over there into Worcestershire. Okay? Down the hill, 10 minutes away. But they're part of you and you're part of them. So we're going to need that. But also, right after Easter Sunday, um, in that week after Easter Sunday, we're going to strip out from here and all the offices and everything is going to head out. And then we, we hopefully, uh, we're just about to sign a, a contract with a company. We haven't signed it yet, but we're about to. We're really close to signing that. Uh, they will start on site here on the 24th of April. For four months, the three to four months, we will relocate in the back block. The youth will be down in the basement where they are. The adults will be on the children and the community floor Sunday morning, 9.30, 11.30. The kids, DZ, will be upstairs in OM. It's going to be tight. It's going to be interesting. We've got worship upstairs, worship in the middle and worship downstairs. We will need to all worship at exactly the same time. It's going to be interesting. And folks, listen, we're going to need oneness. We're going to need oneness. We're going to need oneness. But let me say this to you. How many churches do you know that can have a fire that destroys their auditorium and not miss a Sunday and move into a building like this and carry on and grow 18 months later? And then when we move out of here to refurbish it, can move into 30 odd thousand square feet in the back and still carry on. How many churches do you know that can do that? We are so blessed. 
So let's not get complacent with that. Let's not get apathetic with that. And the music may be even more challenging for some of you that don't like it over there because it's going to be challenging. And we will do our best. We'll work our butts off to make it as accessible as we can. But you're going to have to give us a little bit of grace. We've got to lock shields rather than lock horns. Am I communicating it all right? Okay. <laughs> okay, Ban, can you come back? Yeah, that's it. That's enough. That's enough. Can you take that away, Tim? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So let, let's stand. Let's stand. Who's hungry for momentum? Who's hungry for momentum? I am. God, we come to you tonight. And uh, Lord, we are so excited about you, about the journey that we've been on. Lord, some of us in this room, uh, we remember those days back, back in the back in the day some of us have just joined the journey very very recently but God we're all part of it God if we consider this to be our spiritual home at this moment in time then God we're all part of that journey and we all add or we all take away from the spiritual momentum and so God I want to pray Lord let my hunger affect our hunger let my passion for you affect our passion for you. God, let my momentum spiritually affect our momentum corporately. God, we all need to pray that because we're all part of that. And so God, we want to come to you tonight and we want to say we are hungry for you, aren't we? We are hungry for you, God. Hungry to know you, Lord Jesus. God, many of us on Sunday said that we've, it's been a long time since we've had that hunger and we want it back. And many of us raised our hand and we said, I want it back. I miss it. I remember it. I want it back. And God, I think there's something in the heart of all of us, many of us anyway, that even want more than that. We want a hunger for spiritual momentum. We want to see that resistance being broken down in our communities. Lord, as spiritually, that momentum begins to gather and grow. So God, we say, Lord, if it takes hunger, let me be hungry. If it takes movement, God, let me move. If it takes faith, Lord, let me step out. God, if it takes oneness, let me be the person that locks shields, that doesn't lock horns. So God, we wanna put our hands up and we say, Lord, here we are. Here we are, God, we are hungry for you. We're hungry for you. In Jesus' name, would you, would you, would you come, Lord, and would you stir up that hunger? Stir up that hunger, I pray. Jesus' name, Jesus' name, we're hungry for that. Lord, if there's apathy, in us, God, would you shake it out? If there's complacency, would you shake it out? Lord, if we've got old mindsets, God, would you renew our mind? Would you renew our mind by the power of your Spirit? Give us a new mindset, God, to think differently, to think as you would think. So Lord, come, I pray. Holy Spirit, come. Now as we wait on you and as we pray, as we worship you again, as we encounter you, God, would you stir up our hunger? Stir up our hunger, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, God.